Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 57, Thursday, September 26th, 2019, and I have a packed episode for you all. Earlier today, I sat down with Tommy Stokey, my colleague here at USA Sports Gaming, to talk about sports betting generally and also how we arrive at our bets. We also break down some of the games in this weekend's college football and NFL cards, and we offer some of our favorite plays for the weekend. And after that interview, I dive into a few more games that I think have betting value on the boards this weekend in college football week five and NFL week four. We're on a sick 22-5-2 run on posted plays on the Doggy Juice Twitter. And as always, let's remember to keep that unit size in check during the good times as well as the bad times. But we're red hot right now. And then at the end of the pod, we will conclude with a couple of bonus best bets from our podcast regular Danimal. So without further ado... Let's dive right into that interview with Tommy Stokey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it brings me great pleasure to announce that our very own Tommy Stokey from USA Sports Gaming is joining us on the podcast. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So Tell us a little bit about your background. Obviously, you're with USA Sports Gaming, but um, so where where did you grow up, and how did you how did you end up uh, in this position? Yeah, it's uh, not what I expected I would be doing a couple of years ago. I uh, I was big into sports writing growing up um, from the sports media side. I was always been involved in sports, watching, playing, all that stuff, um, and always knew I wanted to work in sports somehow. Probably. Once I was in like sixth or seventh grade and I didn't get any taller, I realized the NBA wasn't going to happen. Um, but I always knew I wanted to stay involved with it. So I was in the sports media side, um, you know, out of high school, I was you know writing for local newspapers, covering high school sports. Um, from there, I joined a, a startup company. Uh, Fanrack sports was the website. Um, and spent five years there doing a whole lot of different things, learning a lot about the industry and the business side of things, um, as well as covering Major League Baseball as a reporter, um, getting to the getting to the field every day, covering the Diamondbacks, living out in Arizona. Um, that was what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be a, a storyteller and uh, a reporter, stuff like that. Um, but the industry has changed and, and when that fell through and I was laid off there and eventually the company shut down, um, this, the job posting popped up to, to do some media stuff for bet Chicago and the sports betting interests me. I was, a, I am a sports better, was a sports better. Um, and so I, I thought that that would be something interesting where a little bit different, um, but at the same time, still writing, doing that kind of stuff. And now with uh, I'm going to transition to you know a different side of the sports betting world where I won't be writing as much and and I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about a new challenge to do something different. Um, so I've kind of got to do a little bit of kind of got to do a little bit of everything as I've come up to to where we are now. That's cool. No, I mean you definitely like bring a lot of experience, and I have to thank you personally because from like the journalist side, you've been like such a big help for me. Like your knowledge of the the industry and like just correcting me on stupid grammar mistakes that I've made already has been really helpful. But uh, yeah, you bring like a really cool background and a nice perspective here too, because you said you are a better also. And obviously now, you know, with the industry changing how it is uh, here and cause we're both Chicagoland area guys, um, you know, obviously it's going to be launched here in Illinois soon enough and it's already live in Indiana. So it's a really exciting time. So it's, it's pretty cool what you're, uh, what you're doing. You're going to be jumping to more, operational side of things uh, kind of like a jack of all trades type of thing yeah i don't really know what to expect um but that part is also exciting for me um and i kind of think it'll be one of those things where it's still something something new every day with i mean sports betting there's always news to react to um just like sports media um so i think there are a lot of similarities um mm-hmm. working with different different people and and customers and and seeing what uh you know everybody's everybody's got a story still and i'm not necessarily i'm not telling those stories anymore but um you know yeah but i mean like sports betting like i think that's the coolest part right now too is like the stories are kind of being interwoven with you know like the, the whole betting side because 
that's like my favorite thing about sports betting is, you know, diving into the story of how individual games play out. And, you know, you could find good value that way because sometimes you look at a box score or something like that and, and, you know, it's misleading. It doesn't tell the real story of how a game played out and people who are able to dive in, you know, and actually spend the time to, you know, to, to look at the story of how a game played out or how a particular team season is playing out, you know, they can really find some edges in the marketplace when the market might be you know, overreacting or, un, you know, not reacting enough to certain things going on with the team. So I think there's a nice little marriage of, you know, those two things, I guess, from your past, you know, the, the storytelling side and, and now, now the betting side. So in terms of betting, what, what are your, what are your favorite sports to bet on? Um, I would, I mean, football mostly, um, I like the I like the futures market in in baseball. I think baseball day to day is pretty crazy. Not to say that I have never done it or, or don't do it, um, but on any given day, you never know what's going to happen across 162 games. And not that we know what's going to happen in total of those. I mean, I thought the Cubs were going to be a playoff team, and now they're going to win like 83 or 84 games. So, I mean, that's the beauty that you don't know. And the, what's the cliche? That's why they play the game. Um, but I really like the futures market in baseball with, you know, team over unders make the playoffs. Um, that's where I had success this year. Um, missed out on a couple player props, big one that I'm not kicking myself for, but I got close is Zach Greinke leading the majors and wins. He's going to finish with 18. Oh, um, man. I think in Verlander's at 20 right now. And so having that at, I don't know what it was like 35 or 40 to one. That was yeah, you're probably licking your chops after he got traded. Too. Right. I mean, really with Arizona, there were two, three or four wins in there that the bullpen blew that I was like, well, this is going to come back to haunt me, especially playing for Arizona. And then I thought maybe I could backdoor it when he goes to Houston. The problem is the other two Houston guys, Cole and Verlander are so good that you're not catching them. So futures market, um, definitely baseball, but on a week to week or day to day standpoint, uh, I would say football. Do you, do you like college football more? It seems like you've told me you like the NFL more than college. Yeah, I like the NFL more. Um, I guess it depends. Some years I, I hate the NFL because I don't do any good. Um, <laughs> but I, f- I feel like I get to watch more of the NFL games. I feel like I can watch pretty much every NFL game on a Sunday with there being so many college football games. It's harder to watch or you know, maybe I'm game casting. Just the bigger slate means that I don't know as much personally. And so I have less of a personal opinion when it comes to college stuff. Um, I'm able to make my own opinion more on football or when it comes to the NFL than I am college, just because I get to watch more of it. All right. There's just so many more teams in college to cover. And obviously like the weekly, you know, coverage on, you know, national landscape and stuff. You're just NFL, NFL, NFL. That's all it is. So, um, so how do you like, how do you arrive it's like obviously you like to bet, and we all we all like to bet. That's why we're, everyone's listening to this podcast. What's your like? I guess like how do you arrive at a bet? What's your like on a given Sunday in the NFL? Like what do you normally look for? Um, where what like what makes you go to the window and, and put a ticket down on a get a ticket on a team? I, I like to get as much information as possible, and and a lot of times more so in college than the NFL because I'm not as familiar. But I want to read as many different opinions as I can. So. Um, so if there are, if there are sites out there, you know, sites like ours, you know, uh, you and Joe Rogers, Eric, everyone, um, I like to read what their opinion is and then decide for myself, okay, I've got this opinion, that opinion, that opinion. What do I think makes sense? What do I think does, does not make sense? Um, and kind of go from there, from the, the college standpoint, I, I, I really like like situational spots and, and stuff like that. I really like the fading the public a lot. Okay. Right. If everybody th- says this, right. Going well, something's up. Yeah, yeah. it reminds me of, uh, well, the NFL the other day or a couple weeks ago, I think it was the, the maybe it was the steel. I feel like it was the Steelers. Not last week. Um, was when they play the Seahawks at home i think it was i think it was when they played the seahawks and like you couldn't find one person that was taking seattle and it's like okay well something's wrong right and sure enough now it doesn't always happen like that obviously but um you know the the casinos make money for a reason so if everybody thinks one thing i'm kind of like okay well there's got to be something up so um 
And when we get into my thoughts on the NFL games that we talk about later, maybe it'll be clearer, or make more sense, or I'll have more specific opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a numbers guy. I let the people smarter than me figure out the numbers. Um, and if there are people that I think know what they're talking about that say this line's off by this many points, then, you know, I decide if I'm going to, uh, believe them or not. Um, you know, I like, I like trends to a, a certain degree, but then there are some where I'm going to use the Steelers again. And maybe it was that Seahawks game where I think everybody talked about how well Mike Tomlin and the Steelers bounced back from losses. Right. And I was like, well, the one big difference is they had Antonio Brown and they had a better team. And so this is the first time in how long that they're playing with Antonio Brown. So I don't know that those trends necessarily make sense there. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I, what I go off of. People get bogged down in trends sometimes, you know, a little too much, especially like, like you mentioned, like there's how much predictive value does that really offer, especially some of those trends that you look at that involve like completely, you know, looking at schools and college where it was like four or five graduating classes ago or an entirely new graduating class or entirely new coaching staff and kind of lowers the the value of that trend. So, but I I think it's interesting that you do that because it's handicapping handicappers, I guess is kind of like the way I would describe that, but that's a useful thing to do because the more opinions you get in there, it's almost like a wisdom of the crowds type of thing. And, you know, if you get a few opinions that you trust and all of them are, you know, siding one certain way, it could at least point to where the, where the value lies in in a certain game. So, yeah, I would, I would consider kind of crowdsourcing, um, especially for, like I said, especially for college football, I'm pretty much crowdsourcing. And so I, and I'm not trying to, I'm not fooling anybody to saying that these are my original picks. Okay. If I'm taking the Appalachian state over, it's not because I've watched a lot of Appalachian state. It's because I saw a couple of people that I trust say, take it. And I said, okay, well that's where I'm going to spend my money. So I think that's, I think the industry, um, and not that I've been involved in gambling Twitter or whatever for all that long. Um, I think maybe some people would look down on that, but it's, I think it's how you present yourself. If you present yourself as these are my picks and they're going to win at this, this and that, or you're selling and doing this and that. I mean, that's one thing, but if you're transparent, okay, I'm not a professional sports better. I like to do it recreationally. This is how I like to do it. I'm not telling you to take who I take. It's your money. Do what you want. Um, right. You're not trying to, but I think that's doing it. right. Right. I think that's one of the things about, the gambling Twitter aspect that I don't like is I think it's, it's kind of snobby and oh yeah, um, a lot of very ego driven. Right. No. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of that, especially now, you know, touts coming out of the woodwork and, you know, some touts being touted on, on big platforms too. You know, you see like even ESPN employees, um, not going to name any names, but some of them, you know, are, are, uh, I guess representing touts and stuff on their social media. So it's out there and uh, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of that moving forward, but um, I always I always like to kind of think of it as it's like a two way street betting on sports. There's people who, you know, who handicap the games and originate, make their own numbers, and then there's also people who just are really good at betting. You know, like the if you've heard of Spanky, I'm sure you've heard of Spanky guys like that uh, who don't even know any. You know, they can't name ten players in the NFL, but they're on top of the market every week. So I think to be a skilled sports better doesn't necessarily mean you have to make your own numbers if you can read the market the right way. Um, then you can have a lot of success that way. But I think the people who have the most success or put themselves in the best situation for success can, you know, can do both, which is obviously a lot easier said than done. It's, it's an endeavor that I, I try to do, but it's a challenge every day. And, and it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, just doing the numbers part. And I've, I've touched on this in the past on the podcast, how I arrive at my bets and um, it's, it's different, but the, you know, depending on sport, but basically for, for football and basketball, I do originate my own numbers, not in the NBA. Just I kind of gave up on the NBA a few years ago, just because of the, um, I guess like the the way the rotations were used and tanking and stuff. It's just so unpredictable on a day to day basis. But but um, if I'm making numbers, I also have a confidence level next to a certain team's power rating. And I and if I'm not as confident on a team and I see the lines way off, I'm not. I'm going to look at reasons why maybe my numbers are so off. But the ones I'm more confident in, then I'll usually have a range on a game. You know, if uh, so, like people are like, "Hey, who, who do you like in this game?" It, it, um, my response is always, "What's what's your spread? What's your line?" Because it completely depends on that for me. Like, uh, I guess a good example would be the Cleveland Browns against the Ravens this week. You know, the look ahead line was just three and a half on that game, 
Ravens just like a week ago, but now it's up to seven. So, you know, if it was at three, I'd probably take, you know, I'd be looking the way of, of Baltimore this week. But now that it's up to seven, then it's, you know, it's looking at, I'm looking at the Browns at that range. So it's, uh, that's how I like to do it. But I also incorporate some of the stuff you do too, just because, you know, it's good to have more opinions out there. You get more uh, points of view and, and you're able to sometimes see things that you're, you know, from the opinions of others that you're not able to see on your own. So, yeah, I think that, I think that, I mean, that makes sense. The one thing about the numbers and, and I don't know how you feel about this, but like, let's use the, um, well, we'll wait until we get to, I think Colts Raiders is a good example of it. So we'll wait until we get to that. Yeah. And just so people know, we're going to break, actually, let's get to that now. We're going to break down uh, some college football week five games and then we'll, move on to got three or four NFL games that we'll touch on. Then we'll, we'll offer a couple of our, our best bets or our, our favorite plays this week at the very end. So let's start with that. Let's start with, uh, with college football. Um, got a few big matchups this week. It's not, the card's not as, as uh, appetizing as it was last week, but we do have a few nice matchups uh, involving top 25 teams or at least, you know, good teams, but um, Notre Dame plays Virginia and that line has been interesting because Notre Dame has, has moved up. I think more money came in on them and they're, they're up to 12 and a half, even some offshore sites. Uh, you can get Virginia plus 13. Uh, I think like minus 113 was the juice as of Thursday morning. Um, but this is a potential letdown spot, I think, for Notre Dame. At, you know, after they lost a close one at Georgia last week, they had the ball uh, heading down the field on the final drive. They're down by six points. They actually had like a legitimate chance to win that game. But last week and kind of going off what we were saying before with like overreactions, the market overreactions, Virginia had like the ultimate sandwich spot. And I know you said you like to look at situational spots. And I know a lot of sharps last week were on or were fading Virginia against old dominion just because of the look ahead spot that Virginia had Notre Dame on deck. And sure enough, old dominion came out and had a multi-touchdown lead in the first half. And Virginia needed a big second half to, to win the game outright, which they did. But um, I think that was a look at spot for them, and they they have an excellent coach, uh, Brocko Mendenhall. Um, his team's four and zero entering this year. They they were woken up last week, and he's a Mendenhall is he's a Rocky Long disciple, San Diego State coach. He brings a lot of different blitz packages, and um, that I think Ian Book, the Notre Dame quarterback, is going to have to deal with. But I, I'm really liking Virginia this one. I've I've bet Virginia plus thirteen. I think Bryce Perkins, their quarterback, great dual threat guy and they can get that running game going. The Notre Dame rush defense, not very good. And I know that our, our very own Joe Rogers, he's, he's on Virginia in this one too. He wrote a really nice um, article for bed Indiana news and bet Chicago on that one. So I think it's a great bet at plus 13 myself. I also lean the under, but there looks like that one came down a little bit. I think it's sitting at 48 and a half, but uh, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I would say you kind of nailed all of them. I mean, when you talk about the situation, Virginia plays a tight game against old dominion. And most people look at that like, wait, old dominion has a football team. Um, Notre Dame, one score lost to Georgia, Georgia's a national title contender. And so I guess you put two and two together and it's like, well, Notre Dame should crush Virginia and Virginia just barely beat old dominion. Right. Um, and so that perception makes me look to the underdog for one. And then when you hear guys like Joe Rogers, um, numbers that he was talking about with the running game where Virginia runs the ball really well and Notre Dame has struggled to stop the run. That is another thing that makes me look to the under. So when you have, for me, when I have stats like that, that say, okay, um, Virginia strength plays well against Notre Dame's weakness. And it's a good situational spot where they're, there's a lower perception on Virginia coming in and maybe higher on Notre Dame coming in. Um, that would have me looking toward the underdog. Right. No, I'm right there with you. It's one of those spots where I think the line just ran up a little too much. You know, I think if it was around 10, that's, you know, it'd be closer to where I would have it. But when we're getting 13, that's, that's good value. It's one of those things we talked about earlier. If it was Notre Dame seven, I'd probably look more that way. Obviously that'd be like where I'd be looking at Notre Dame, but since it's gone up to Virginia getting 13 points, that's where, the value on the dog comes into play. And I, I can't help but think on this one. I, I'm usually not one. I, I don't play parlays at all. It's I'm, I'm anti parlays, but the exception on parlays for me is, is if they're correlated and I can't help but think if you can get down on this one, uh, you know, under 40 and a half and Virginia plus 13 correlated parlay, if you can get that 13, kind of a more of a key number instead of 12 and a half. But um, 
I think that's that's a good correlated parlay because I think, like you said, um, they want to slow the game down with the running game. It's their strength, and if they're you know going slow, and if the, the blitz packages are, are giving Ian Book some some three and outs, I think we might have a good chance to cash both of those legs. So, a Virginia and under correlated parlay, I think, is worth a look this week as well. Um, let's move on. So we got another another. Uh, Afternoon, I think this one's at uh, 2.30 Central Time. Washington plays USC. Um, I, wrote, I wrote about this one. I bet Indiana News, about Chicago, uh, just how there's uncertainty regarding the USC quarterback situation this week. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on this one at all? I think right now we're looking at Washington is laying 10.5 at home. And that number kind of keeps going up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, Washington is one of those teams that I feel like I haven't been able to figure out in the last couple of years. And maybe that changes because um, they've got Easton now at quarterback who's better than what they've had. I believe um, he's coming around. Yeah. He looked really good. Right and, I, and I know they've been like all defense in the past and, um, but they're just a team that I can't, I haven't been able to, to figure out. And when you throw in USC, their backup, I mean, their third string quarterback, if you had Utah last week and see their, starting quarterback who what second string already I thought I was screwed I yeah I was on USC last week in the first play Slovis went down right. and I was like oh well, could rip up this ticket but and if you're on Utah you feel pretty good and then he he lights it up so I think the unpredictability there um you could say well now that he has a full week to practice he'll be even better or now that Washington knows that he's going to play are they going to be more prepared Um, so when you throw in a new quarterback, especially in college for me, um, that's something that I probably stay away from unless I can find, um, smarter people than I am with really strong opinions there. Um, but otherwise with Washington, which is unpredictable for me, at least, um, throwing that in with a third string quarterback, I'm not, uh, I'm not too excited to, to jump into that one. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's. I think it's more the the fact that Washington has a week of tape now, you know, with Fink, the third string quarterback, and it's still, you know, as of the time we're recording this, it's not official that Fink is is going to be the starter. It looks like it's going to be that way, and uh, you know, Slovis is good, but he's he's just a freshman. You know, he hasn't he doesn't have that much experience. So if he was going to suit up, this would only be his second start on the road, and his first start on the road was at was at BYU, and they lost. I think he threw inter- three interceptions in that one, but uh, but Fink, you know, last week he came in. Utah didn't prepare for Fink all week and he came in and just, you know, he was just throwing basically alley-oops to their, their receivers because they had such a height advantage over the Utah secondary. But I don't think he's going to get away with that this week, especially since Washington, you know, kind of knows, you know, how, how to defend this guy and stuff. So I, for me, it would, it would be actually one of those spots. I always look dog or pass when I'm in these situations, but this would be the rare exception where I'd probably look favorite or pass, but I'm not touching it, especially at the at the current price. And I think you, you were the one that pointed out the – the coaching mismatch between yeah. Peterson and Helton. And I think that's something last week when everybody, when I think you pointed out in your story, Helton as an underdog, not very good. Not good. And so that would underdog with a third string against a good defense. Right. That's not something that I'd want to, I'm not excited about jumping on either, but I can't say with confidence that I'd love Washington. No. Yeah. This is bad. It's got to stay away written all over it. Um, one game that I'm, I've gotten involved in um, already, and not for much, but the Big Ten. We have Ohio State visiting Nebraska. This line was ten in the summer in the look ahead lines in the games of the year market, but Nebraska, they're, you know, they're getting seventeen and a half now. That's that's what the spread is. Ohio State's laying seventeen and a half on the road, but Nebraska's been just throwing mixed signals all year. They've they've been sloppy. They blew that the lead against Colorado and lost on the road. They didn't look good in their opener. Um, just haven't really impressed it. They barely beat Illinois last week, even though um, I think they had a, a turnover advantage. But they, they outgained them. That's one of those 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 game lines where you kind of look back at, at the actual story and how it played out. Uh, it was a little bit different because I think of the turnovers, but still they barely overcame Illinois. It's been a mixed bag, and and uh, Ohio State on the flip side, they're they're the public darling. They've they've uh, covered every game. They've won every game easily, but they also haven't really played anybody. And, and last year. Nebraska, I think they only had one win when they went into the horseshoe, but they gave Ohio State a game. I think it was 36 to 31 was the final score. Ohio State came out, but Nebraska pushed them in that game. And, you know, in this spot, I, I think just the fact that the Buckeyes are on such a roll um, and 
the question mark surrounding the Nebraska defense scares me a little bit, but I at 17 and a half, I, I had to take the points with, with Nebraska. I didn't go crazy on it. I just have a half unit on it, but um, the how the home crowd I think is going to be a big factor in this one. I think there's, there's a slight tick of value at, at seven, getting the hook at 17, but I don't, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah. When I was looking at it, I'm like, okay, was, was last week a look ahead spot where they're looking past Illinois because they know they have this on deck um, for Ohio state. Are they, I don't think that they're going to be necessarily looking ahead to Michigan state. I don't know that Michigan state's good enough to look ahead to past Nebraska. So I don't see any necessarily scheduling court situations there. Um, I know it's a high total, what is it? 66, 67, something like that. I think it's up yeah, it's from up there. 63. And, and I feel like the over is usually the square play, but I feel like with Ohio state against Nebraska's defense, Ohio state has the offense that can put up points. I feel like early on it was kind of, okay, we got our 40 in the first half. Now they just kind of sit on it in the second half. Um, so I wonder in a full game against a good opponent or a better opponent than what they've had, what will that offense look like? And Nebraska's got the offense to, to put up points too. So I kind of look at the over, um, it might get to a point where it's, it just gets too high that I have to say, okay, well, I missed my shot at it. Um, but 17 and a half, I mean, that has at worst, I shouldn't say at worst because it makes it sound like I'm saying it's a lock and that doesn't exist, but <laughs> there's a lot of backdoor possibilities there with Nebraska coming down at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like down 24 when, like you said, Ohio state's got their foot off the gas, looking towards Michigan state next week and the back door's open for a really good offense too. I always like, you know, counting on backdoor covers a little more when you have a really high powered offense and not like, you know, some scrub team going up against Clemson, you know, something like that. Right. Uh, no, I hear you there. I think this could also be like a, one of those spots where you look at a live over just because if the home crowd's really you know up for this one early on, you know, maybe get like a three and out or two, you know, from, I don't know if Ohio State's going to have many three and outs in this game, but early on with the, you know, maybe Nebraska's got some, you know, just some extra packages, some extra blitz packages, something to kind of surprise Ohio State or anything with the crowd involvement might be able to get a live over, uh, you know, if there's, you know, no scoring for the first couple drives of this one. But yeah, and especially if the number goes up uh, even more before kickoff. But I, I definitely hear you on that over. Um, so a couple other big ten. I have uh, Wisconsin Northwestern here. I wanted to touch on before we move to the NFL. Uh, Wisconsin is laying twenty four and a half, and I there's another spot where I'm looking at the dog. I think there's value on Northwestern here at twenty four and a half. I think the market's gone crazy on Wisconsin with the pricing. Obviously, after last week beating Michigan and. And they've also covered every single game this year as well. But Northwestern, this is the spot where they excel in the the big underdog role. Um, I think as I read that as a double digit underdog over the last 10 years, they have a winning record straight up, not just against the spread, but straight up as a double digit underdog in the last 10 years. So, and this is also, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach um, as an underdog in the big 10, he's 20 and eight ATS over the last four years to, that's in the big 10. So I think there's a letdown spot. Another, you know, thing that we could talk about for Wisconsin after last week's win, but at the same time last year, Northwestern beat them. They've Northwestern's covered seven out of their last eight against Wisconsin. So for this one, I'm just, I'm torn because, you know, I look at Hunter Johnson, he's the Northwestern quarterback. He's averaging only 4.5 yards per attempt, which is pretty bad. And, and this offense has not been good either. Although at the same time, they've went up against Michigan state and Stanford and, two of their games. So Northwestern setting mixed signals here, but I think there might be something fundamentally in this matchup, you know, covering seven out of their last eight against Wisconsin, where I think they could be the value side here getting 24 and a half. I think this one should be closer to 21 myself. So a little bit of value. Do you you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah. When I took, I took, uh, when I looked at Michigan last week, um, I think I was talking to a Michigan fan. I said, the only team I trust less than Michigan is Wisconsin in the big 10. So might as well go Michigan. Um, I guess the, when it comes to Wisconsin style of play, and this could be totally wrong. Um, but when you just have that, when you're that physical up front and you can run the ball like they can, then I wonder against bad teams where, you know, how does that, can you have a letdown 
when that's your style of play where you just line up and say, we're big, we're stronger than you. We're going to push you out of the way and our running back's going to run by you. Um, right. And again, and Jonathan maybe, Taylor is credible. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe that makes no sense. And, and that's stupid, but um, where I don't trust Wisconsin against good teams that are able to stop the run. And, and in the past, okay, can Alex Hornybrook complete a four yard slant? Well, probably not. Um, so I, I guess I don't know enough about Northwestern and, and what their defense is like. Um, the, where yeah. I'm going to look, you know, where I'm going to run into questions with Wisconsin is okay. Is there a defense that is going to be able to control the running game enough where you have to make them throw it in the past? That answer has been, no, they can't throw it. Um, and that's where I haven't trusted them. Um, but I just feel like their style of play um, plays well for avoiding letdown spots. Now, maybe they're not um, at the same time. They're not one that maybe is going to blow somebody out or it's easier. I know they will have a 49, nothing win a couple weeks ago, um, but maybe they take their foot off a, a little bit coming off of that. And so when you're talking about 24 points, obviously that's a lot different than saying four, um, but that's just kind of my perception and opinion on Wisconsin, even though, what they were like with no quarterback has nothing to do now because cone that's her Jack cone. Is that his name? Yeah. 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 That he should be, he should be better than what they've had. It seems. Yeah. Jack cone. It's, I, I agree with you there. That's a great point about the old line because they're going to have a pretty big mismatch over the Northwestern defensive line. I mean, some of those linemen for Wisconsin are big corn fed boys here Midwest. And they're probably like 40, 50 pound edge on that. And then, like you said, you know, that's their style running the ball. Jonathan Taylor, he's a Heisman candidate this year. And, and uh, it's going to be tough for Northwest, but at the same time, I don't know how much they care about margin. And uh, it's one of those spots where I think Northwestern could stay in the number here, but at the same time, Wisconsin, you've seen what they've done against some other big teams, or at least against Michigan last week. And they just, they had their way with them. So it's a, it's, it's catch 22 with running teams because uh, one end you're like, okay, well they're going to run the ball and have a long time of possession and, and run the clock. Right. But at the same time, well, every time they have the ball, they're going to score. So, right. you know, right. which which one is it? Yeah, and it's uh, and I don't know how much I want to trust Northwestern to put points up on the board against that Wisconsin defense, especially with Hunter Johnson, who's just been he's not looked good so far. So, hey, don't let me talk you out of it. No, 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 no. If the money's been money's in. It's not a it's not a big play, but um, I hope yeah, you win. 20, me too, me too. All right, so let's move on to the NFL though. Um, got a few games here we want to break down. Let's start out with. The Colts and the Raiders, the Raiders are uh, are laying seven, or sorry, they're getting seven. The Colts are laying seven at home. Total on this one's 45, last time I checked. But um, it's another one where Joe wrote a really nice article previewing this game that all you listeners could find out at uh, Bet Indiana News and Bet Chicago. But do you uh, you have any certain lean on the way this one's going to go? I guess for me, this is where, like, this looks like a spot where I, I want the Raiders, um, you know, the the Colts after luck retires, they're the big underdog and the sad story. And how are they going to, you know, this happens a week before the season starts. What are they going to do? Uh, they play the chargers close. They, they beat a Tennessee team that might not be very good and they just barely beat them. Um, and so I think last week was the first real win as a, I mean, what closed at minus one, but I still think the Falcons are kind of a public, team in a sense where it's like oh they got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones they're really good and so I think when you get out to a big lead there's you know the the perception that whoa these these Colts are are for real they just beat the Falcons at home and now at being a being a touchdown seven or eight point favorite is a lot different than being a one point favorite I think um and so how do they go from that underdog mentality to being the favorite and so Plus, you have the Raiders coming off uh, a loss to the Vikings where they right. just were never in it from the start. And so this is another one where it's like, okay, everybody's super high on the Colts and everybody's super low on the Raiders. Mm-hmm. My concern is it's the Raiders, and they're not good. And so if if it was Team X versus Y and that's the situation, then I would take the road team coming in against the hot favorite. But I think that's where you have to look at the specific team where it's and look beyond the number where um, maybe your numbers say this play is on the Raiders, but I think that's where we have to take into consideration. Well, it is the Raiders. 
No, I, I agree with you there. It's really hard to to back that team, especially on the road. I mean, I, I faded them last week. The Vikings were the strongest play last week, and um, I don't know. I don't have much conviction on the Raiders. At the same time, at, at seven, you know, there's I'm not going to be laying seven with the Colts in this spot. So it's an easy pass for exactly the reasons you mentioned. You know, it's, exactly. If it was at Team X Y, might be looking to take Y, but since Y is the Raiders in this instance, no dice. Uh, the Bears are playing the Vikings, and that line's kind of crept out. I think the Bears, I'm seeing, I'm even seeing some Bears minus one and a halves, but it seems to be Bears lane two is the consensus uh, in the marketplace. And the total is at 38 and a half. Obviously, two awesome defenses in this one. And I, I wrote about this one for for our sites, and I'm I personally don't have a play on this, but I do I, I tease the Vikings up uh, to up through the three and the seven. Uh, that's one of my favorite teaser options this week, teasing them up to plus eight, plus eight and a half, uh, just because the total so low and the relative value of each point's magnified in this one. And, and I think it's a spot where we're just going to have a close game. And I'm even tempted to play the under right now. It's, I mean, it's, I can't really stomach playing unders in the thirties just because you can almost accidentally get there with, you know, with like a defensive touchdown or a few short fields, especially with these defenses, you know, get a couple short fields. I don't, th- I don't want to put my faith in Trubisky. So I'm not going to play the total or the side in this one, but I think the, the Vikings are a good teaser option this week. But how do you see this one playing out? Well, I might not be the right person to ask because I had to start mowing lawns this summer because I bet the, against the bears every week last year. And so that <laughs> didn't really work out. Um, and so I haven't been super high on Mitch and I know that nobody else is now. Um, you know, the bears defense, obviously very good. Montgomery looked better. Um, Kirk Cousins, I don't know if he's good or not, but I think that Minnesota's capable of running the ball in Chicago, which could open things up for their passing game. And I know that Eric uh, Dewberry had the stat for us last week, something about where the Bears just have a ton of success winning and covering against teams that can't run the ball. And that worked really well with Washington, who was what the second worst or the worst rushing team in the league. Um, well, Minnesota, I know small sample size, but they're second in the league running for 193 a game. So I think I can't bet the bears against a good team and a good defense with Mitch right now. Um, And so it would probably be a Minnesota or pass. Yep. I agree with you there. I mean, I I have the number pretty close to where it's at. I think it's, you know, I think Minnesota's the better team in my power ratings. It's not a crazy difference, but it's just really hard to, to power rate the bears right now too, especially with, I mean, the Trubisky thing, you know, it, it's almost like people in Chicago were turning a blind eye to this last year, but it's but Nagy, he's doing everything he can to to mask Trubisky's issues. And he's last year I, I threw some stats out in my article by Warren Sharp, but for the most part, Nagy was giving Trubisky you know curl routes, out routes, screen passes, majority of his passes last year, and he was having success with those. But then when you looked at his passes that weren't outs or curls, his and uh, and screens, his his success rate dropped like consider considerably, and. Uh, and I think teams kind of figured that out. You know, they had a whole offseason to work on or to at least see what Trubisky's all about. And I don't think he really improved. I think the Bears are trying to keep it simple with him. That's what they're saying. But I just don't – my optimism is not there right now. I think he's a great – if only you had his temperament on Cutler, you know, then we'd have a good quarterback. But, you know, he's he's all the right leadership qualities that Cutler did not have, but he just doesn't have the the arm power, the arm accuracy that Cutler had. So I'm I'm, I'm not bullish on, on Trubisky by any means. And I – and I think the marketplace has finally caught on to that too. So, yeah, I just look at like last year against Tampa Bay he throws what five or six touchdown passes. Right. And that's when everybody was like, Oh wow, he's the real deal. But even when I'm watching that game with all my friends, I'm like, this dude's missing like eight yard routes yeah. of guys wide open. Like, yeah, he's throwing, right. he's throwing it to the guys that just run by the terrible Tampa defense, but he is missing passes that, you know, you and I can make. And so, right, and, and even some of those passes, he's some of the passes he's missing. He's or some of the passes that the the receivers are catching, he's still putting them in a tough spot by putting the ball, you know, too low or too high, and then they have to adjust, catch the ball, and then turn around, and they're they've lost their chance to you know run for a bigger gain or break a couple tackles and you know get some yards after catch. Right. So yeah, I'm not. Last year I wasn't sold. Lost much money because their defense was so good. This year I'm still not sold, but we'll see. It'll be a good game, though, that's for sure. Um, another defensive affair, this one I, I have got involved in 
on the, the side and the total more so the total I feel very strongly, but the Patriots and the bills, uh, the bills are getting, I think the market's at seven now, but I think it's starting to creep back up. You can find some seven and a halves. Uh, but that's where I, I, I put a little bit of bills plus seven and a half in pocket, but where I really like this game is the under, um, I hit it at 43 and a half. It's, and again, at 42 and a half, I think it's 41 and a half as of Thursday afternoon. And, and I, I still like it at that. I mean, obviously not as much, but if you can get a 42, I still think it's a, it's a really good bet right now. I think this Patriots defense is still underrated by the marketplace. I mean, they have not given up a touchdown all season yet. They've outscored their opponents 106 to three. When you take away the crazy shenanigans, touchdowns that the jets got uh, last week, the, the defensive touchdowns and the punt block, um, but and this is also the first time the Patriots first time since 1961 that a team has shut down their opponents in the first half of their first three games. And the Bills defense on the other side of the ball, they're looking like they're one of the best units in the league. When you look at the yards per play on defense for both these teams, they're both near the top. Patriots are at the top. Um, but so I, I'm loving the under in this spot. I think that the Patriots offensive line, they, they have some issues and the Bills defensive line should make things tough. It's tough for offensive lines to travel into these type of environments too. So I think the Bills defensive line could have their way a little bit. And on the flip side, the Patriots defense, they're going to make it really hard for Josh Allen this week. So I'm a little uh, torn on the, on the, I mean, I, I told you I bet the Bills at plus seven and a half, but some of the trends really scream not to do that. I mean, obviously betting against the Patriots against the spread is, it's not going to make you rich, probably be cutting a lot of lawns if you're, if you're doing that. But since the 2003 season, the Patriots are 28 and three straight up against the Bills, and two of those three losses came. One was in 2016 when Brady was injured and Jacoby Brissett was in, and the other one was the other loss was uh, was at the end of some year when Brady just sat out the game. But um, but yeah, I still think the Buffalo defense can give the Patriots O line fits, and I, these two teams, even when you look at their games last year, didn't even come close to this total when they played last year. And I think this is one of the best Patriots defenses that that uh, Belichick's ever had. Yeah. I mean, my first note on this is how exactly are the bills going to score? Nobody else has. And so how are they going to do it when I don't think I'm not a big Josh Allen real life believer yet? Um, And so I guess that's, that's my question. How are they going to score? And so the bills three, and oh, it's the jets where they looked dead for most of that game. Um, Bengals and, and Eli Manning and the Giants. So it's not a, a great three and Um but their defense has has looked legit, like you said. So maybe the under is the play. I, I hate betting New England because it always makes me feel like a square, but all the squares are getting rich betting on them. So who's the real dummy in this situation? Um I just don't know how Buffalo scores. And so it sounds like a low scoring game. I could I could see it I could see this being a game where like it's close. It's within the number the whole time and the bills or not the bills, the Patriots score a touchdown late to win by, you know, to win by 10 or 13. And you're like, how do they just do that? Right. Right. No. Yeah. I'm prepping myself for that one. Um, it was one of those times where like I, the seven and a half, you know, it's versus the seven was the difference for me just putting some of that in the pocket, but the, the, the under, I just, you know, like you said, everything that you said kind of supports that too, because it's hard to see points in this one. It really is with these two defenses. So, um, we also have. Do you have anything else on that game? Or is that it? No, that's 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 all I got. Cool. Um, Sunday night football: Saints and the Cowboys. This one, obviously, Drew Brees out for the Saints for at least another month, and obviously they would be the favorite in this game if he was playing. But the Cowboys, this one opened at some place at three, three and a half. And the money came in on the saints. Now it's two and a half Cowboys favored Sunday night in new Orleans. Uh, I don't know. Do you, which way do you think this one's going to go? Well, I, know, I feel like this is going to be a sharp and square one where all the squares and the public are on the Cowboys and sharps are taking the saints. Like you said, for me, I look at the saints last week. It looks like a really impressive win, put up 33 points, but then it's a special teams touchdown a defensive touchdown. One of their touchdown drives was a 28 yard short field. Um, and so when you take that into consideration, I don't know that Teddy Bridgewater was all that good last week. Um, 
Uh, I know a road team on prime time and you want the home dog. I just don't know that I could take the saints, especially less than a field goal. Um, don't know that I could take the Cowboys, but if I had to take one, I, I probably want the Cowboys because I think, I think that saints win last week and, and the inflated points because of all those defensive special teams and that short drive. I think that creates a, a little perception um, issue for me where the saints look a little better than they might be. Right. And the saints are also traveling back from, you know, all the way back from Seattle. They have a longer travel schedule. So it's also, it's also a consideration for me is that home crowd too. You know, that's good. They're going to be up for sure. So I'm, I'm uh, I'm not playing the side. I do. I would get involved with it at three for a little bit, but not crazy value on that. But I did, tease the saints up through the three and the seven up to eight and a half as the, uh, the second leg of my, my teaser this week, along with the Vikings. So both teams up to plus eight and a half on that one. But uh, otherwise I agree with you though. It's, it's a stay away from me, but I do lean the saints way. It's tough to, it's tough to trust uh, Jason Garrett with expectations, right. right? No, yeah, exactly. Like the coaching mismatch in this one too. I mean, it's Jason Garrett. I mean, he's got the new old offensive coordinator in there. That's really turned things around, but I just can't trust this guy especially against Sean Payton, the guy who's going to have some tricks up his sleeve and at home. And he's, he kind of embellishes this spot, you know, where he's an underdog and he's got to come up with, you know, he's challenged to come up with, with new, um, new things to keep his, his team involved or keep his team, I don't know, having success for lack of a better term. But um, no, I think there's a definitely a coaching mismatch in this one. So let's close out with our, our favorite plays. It's been obviously it always goes longer than I expect, but um Let's let's finish up with our favorite bets. Do you want to you want to give out? Uh, could have been stuff you've already given uh, or talked about before. But do you have anything you got there for best bets? Yeah, I guess the one that I that I like and I might have to talk myself out of because you have to hear once you hear the name of the team, then you're gonna you know it's gonna be like how do you back the Miami Dolphins? But fifteen and a half at home. It's the the classic West Coast team playing the early game at the East Coast team. Plus, it's Philip Rivers and the Chargers. Um, Banged up. I just think Miami could have had a lead. Probably should have had a lead going into half against Dallas. Everything kind of fell apart in the second half. They were right when they fumbled with thirty seconds left, down ten to six. Um, and so, I don't think that they were. Th- as bad as it seemed again, we're talking about 15 points, 16 points. And so it's not like they're good or they have to do a whole lot, but it might only take one or two touchdowns um, to stay within the number. Miami missed at least one field goal last week too. So they left at least 10 points on the board. And now you're looking at, um, I guess, I don't know what Dallas ended up with. What was it? 31 to. Yeah. They Dallas covered at the end. I know that. Right. Next score. Yeah. Um, but now all of a sudden you throw that touchdown in and a field goal that they missed because they were inside the five on the, on the, when they fumbled all of a sudden that looks a little more competitive and maybe that number isn't what it is right now. So uh, schedule spot. Um, nobody wants to take Miami. I'll be the dummy that, that tries. I agree with you here. This, if it got to 17, it would be a real, you know, full play for me, but I, I like what I saw from the Dolphins last week, effort-wise. We couldn't say the same the week before, but I think they really, you know, they're hearing a lot of the stuff being talked about with them. These guys are still professionals trying to earn paychecks, you know, it, no matter who they are. They're still NFL players, and at 15 and a half, I agree with you. Anything over two touchdowns, I think, is worthy of a, a small little play uh, for all the reasons you stated, so I agree. It used to be a situation where a couple of years ago, if there was ever a double digit team, I'd take the underdog every time. And I don't think, I don't think we're there anymore. Um, especially because new England still covers that every single time. And they're usually the team that we're talking about. Kansas city might not be far back from that. Um, but I think at this number in this spot, it's just, I gotta hold my nose and take it. Yeah. You just gotta do it. I mean, it's and plus like kind of like you alluded to the books are just, doing whatever they can to attract a little bit of dolphins money. So I think if, if anything, we're getting a few points of extra value. Uh, but uh, no, I, I'm on board with that. I've already quickly finishing up with mine I, in college, Virginia plus 13 and look at potentially a little correlated parlay on the under and Virginia, if you can get down on it. Uh, and then otherwise, besides that smaller plays on Nebraska plus 17 and a half and 
Wisconsin, or sorry, Northwestern against Wisconsin catching 24 and a half. And then the NFL, uh, the Patriots and Bills under, if you can get 42, that's where I'd say you know, anything under that's good to go. Um, and then I've, the, the teaser I mentioned as well, teasing the Vikings and the Saints up to, to plus eight and a half. So that's all we got. You got anything else, Tommy? Uh, I'm going to spend the next couple of days trying not to talk myself into the Raiders. <laughs> well, you got, got what, three days to to hold back on that one, but. My my money's on you. I'm gonna lay minus one fifty that you that you put down on the later on the Raiders. It's probably safe. <laughs> All right, man. It was great talking to you. It was really fun bringing you on the pod, and I'll, I'll bring you on again uh, later on down the line because that was, was a really good time. Looking forward to it. All right, dude. Take care. All right. Thank you very much, Tommy, for coming on. That was excellent. You all should give Tommy a follow on Twitter. His uh, Twitter handle is Stokey Tommy. That's S T O K K E. And then T-O-M-M-Y. He has a lot more followers than I do. But before I conclude the podcast, let's jump on a few more games that I want to quickly touch on uh, before I end the, the pod here. So here's some games that I've gotten involved in, starting with College Football Week 5. Oh, yeah! Florida State first half. Willie Taggart and FSU. I've been on this on the podcast since week two, actually. So far in 2019, Florida State in the first half against the spread, 4-0. In the second half against the spread, 0-4. And I think this fundamentally comes down to Coach Willie Taggart and his inability to make in-game adjustments. He's getting out-coached at halftime. You know, part of that's randomness too, but I think there is something to be said there because this team in Florida State does have a lot of talent, a lot of speed, and a lot of people in the market are still kind of pricing them like last year's team that only averaged about 23 points per game in an outlier offensive year for the team but with Taggart and Florida State this year they have more talent and they blew a couple games early on in the year uh, blew a, a large lead against Boise State and we've talked about this on the podcast where they've they've come out really strong in the first halves and then the second halves they kind of play down to their level of competition so you can get them minus four against NC State at home this week and I think that's a good way to look so Florida State first half minus four the next game, Toledo, plus three against BYU at home early Saturday morning. Um, I got this one at minus 115 juice, but it's really important to get that, that field goal. I wouldn't want to put more juice down than that, but minus 115 or better is fine. Um, BYU money came in on Wednesday to bring this line from minus one up to minus two and a half, and even that minus three in some shops. So I was able to get that plus three on, on the take back. But uh, Cougars... They're coming off, or they were off two overtime games heading into last week against Washington, but you know they really got exposed last week, and now it's an early start for them in Toledo. Toledo is a very potent offense that's going to test BYU here uh, at a bad time for their their body clocks. So the Toledo offense, they're right outside the top ten of the nation in rushing. Their quarterback hasn't thrown a pick yet this year, so for me, plus three. At minus 115, this is worth a look here on the home dog. South Florida, plus 7.5 at home against SMU. This is an ugly one. I've lost money on South Florida this year, but it's just a simple numbers play. I really think this game should be around 5, and uh, we're getting you know that extra value, getting that, that hook at plus 7.5. But it's an ugly game. At the start of the season, I would have had USF as uh, probably more than a 3-point favorite in this game, so... You know, I think the Marcus just ran too far on them. It's has been a good year, but I think they're going to get up for this game against an undefeated SMU team. Small play fading Auburn with Mississippi State. I think a plus 10.5 or better. You know, If you can get an 11, that would be obviously even better. But uh, there's true freshman coming in from Mississippi State. Might not be as much of a downgrade from Tommy Stevens. Uh, he's able to run the ball, unlike Stevens. He showed that against Kentucky last week. And this is more of a play against Auburn, too, at the market. I think they're overpriced now. They've covered all four games, but obviously we know the first three of those, especially Oregon, that first game really was a miracle cover. Last week they beat a, a Texas A&M outright. Very impressive game. But I think this could be a letdown spot for them, too, after that game. You know, Facing Mississippi State, it was a very strong team. So getting 10.5 against Auburn with Mississippi State, I think, is a good look here if you can get it anywhere above that, that point. And then finally, a small play on Nevada, minus two and a half at home against Hawaii. This is a spot where the numbers actually don't scream any value. The numbers have this right where the game uh, is lined, but the intangibles do scream value. And 
Um, Hawaii, they haven't been as good on the mainland. They're 4-9 ATS over their last 13 on the mainland. And they haven't covered three straight in Reno, and they've lost five straight there. And this is a spot where I think just when you look at all the intangibles together, it's a good angle to get on Nevada. They have two quarterbacks who could do damage in this game. But most importantly, it's going to be cold in Reno on Saturday night, like low 40 degrees cold. And those Hawaii boys coming to play at altitude in the cold on a Saturday night, they will definitely be out of their comfort zones. It's part of the reason why the Rainbow Warriors have that poor against the spread record in Nevada. So I think it's just a good fundamental matchup to get involved with, with Nevada here. So that's another good college play that I want to get involved with. And before I move on to the NFL, let's hear what our pal Danimal has to say about this weekend's card. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Danimal checking in. Busy week for all, so unfortunately don't get to talk to the juice on the podcast live. So um, recording a message for him, I need to give out my winners. I'd be failing my followers if I didn't give them my winners. Last week, another great week. LSU put up 100 on Vanderbilt. Washington put up 80. And Texas State pushed. Didn't watch the second of the game. Still got a push. Cleveland and the Rams on Sunday, under 49. Easy winner. We're cruising. We're seeing the board so well. If only I trusted myself and played the bets I liked, I'd be killing it. But at the end of the day on Saturday, I ended with like 30 bets, and I was like 17, 15, and 3 for minimal profit because I am an idiot. Anyways, week four, call me Danny Totals because we have overs galore. Wazoo, Utah, over 57.5. Wazoo scores at will. Utah has awful, awful secondary. That one flies over. Indiana, Michigan State, over 44. I hate Michigan State so much, so, so much. I knew they would beat Northwestern by 30, and I still took Northwestern. I think they put up 30, 35 on IU, and this one goes over 44. Last total, Stanford, Oregon State, 57 and a half. I know, I know. Stanford, boring, doesn't score. Their offense isn't that bad. They've had some really, really tough opponents, but Oregon State pushes the ball. This is going to be an up-tempo game. I think this easily cruises over 60. A couple of leans for some sides. My Arizona Wildcats, I hate UCLA. They stink. This line I thought would be higher, so give me Arizona minus 6.5. But a note on that is I've never won on Arizona, so just uh, remember that. Oregon State against Stanford. I know I had that total. I bet the total large after I already took Oregon State this morning on the bus plus four and a half and sprinkled the money line. And lastly, South Carolina against Kentucky, minus three. Only got one in the NFL as of now. My my people on the inter, interwebs don't really help me out much until Saturday or Sunday for the NFL, so I'm going blind here. But I love the Cardinals, Seahawks over 48. I'm sure the Seahawks will have like three points after the first quarter. They play so slow. They're so boring on offense, but I see this being a shootout. Their defense isn't that good. The Cardinals obviously pay up pace. I think this one hits 50 with ease. And that is it from the Danimal. Hopefully you line your pockets, spend your money wherever you want, and don't play safe. That's dumb. Danimal, out. All right. Thank you very much, Danimal. Good luck with your bets this weekend. Uh, we do not endorse here at Doggy Juice Enterprises Danimal's don't play it safe approach, but uh, it's okay. It's good to have him on. It's good yin to the yang. Uh, let's move on to NFL. I've already touched on how the Bills and Patriots under is one of my favorite plays of the week. If you can get that at anything 42 or better, it's a good look. Hopefully, you know, the only thing that really can, I think, avoid a victory on that one is, is uh, you know, a defensive touchdown or a few short fields off defensive plays, but Willing to go to bat with that with the yards per play on defense that those two teams have allowed so far this season. A um, couple other plays on the marketplace. Not too many sides right now, but the Browns getting seven points at Baltimore. I got this game lined at five and a half. I think it's it's just a little bit too far of a, of a reaction on the Browns, especially you know if the Browns score that last drive. Obviously they didn't, but they score on that last drive against the Rams and the game goes to overtime or something like that, then I think we do see that five-and-a-half-point spread this week. And just a week ago on the look-ahead line, the Ravens were laying three-and-a-half in this matchup, so or maybe even four at some places, but some at least had three-and-a-half. And now it's up to seven, so 
I think that's a good look if you can get seven on the Browns. You just have to grin and bear it with that one. And uh, likewise, I think the market's moved on this one, but Tampa Bay uh, getting, if you can get plus 10 or better, and if it did move down, you know, the market might tick back up over the weekend when the public money comes in on the Rams. But if you get Tampa Bay at plus 10 and a half, uh, it's just a simple numbers play. I got this at about eight and a half, nine, nine on my stuff. And and then uh, the Lions, another simple value play here. I got this one around five and a, between five and a half and six. And if you can get a full touchdown there with the Lions, grin and bear it as well with the home dog. So not too much though. And it, you know, and, and honestly, Tommy and I talked about it. The Dolphins play. I, I am simpatico with Tommy on that one, uh, taking the points at home with with the Dolphins against the Chargers. But uh, besides that, not much value on the, the sides, but of course value could open up later on in the week as the market continues to shape itself. But that's about it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Thank you so much for listening. It was a lot of fun to bring on Tommy and uh, break down some of the games with him. So as always, we'll always have this podcast out on uh, Thursday nights every week. Follow Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram for best bets and plus EV information. I will talk to you all next week. Good luck with your bets. Doggy Juice out.